Here's Issa Nathiwa, who repeatedly failed in attempts to switch allegiance from Fiji back to New Zealand. He's been a big advocate for this, calling it a game-changer. Oh, mate, it's it's groundbreaking, isn't it? Um, I said it was the elephant in the room, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy, overly stoked to be proven wrong that, um, you know, things have changed with the times far quicker and, and the powers that be have actually, uh, in this case, listened and taken on, um, you know, all the words and all the feelings of, of everything around around the world around this issue. So it's absolutely phenomenal and it, and it literally is a game changer. Um, one for the little nations, but just in rugby in general. Daniel Leo is chief executive of Pacific Rugby Welfare, who campaigned extremely hard for this change. He joins us now. How are you doing uh, this afternoon, Daniel? Really well, thanks, Jason. Great to be here and under positive circumstances. Absolutely. Before we talk about uh, the ramifications of this, can you paint a picture for us? What, were you awake all night through the night waiting for news to come through? Did you get some sleep, wake up, check your phone? How did it play out? <laughs> yeah, awake all night, uh, the night of the announcement, and then probably the, the two after, with um, yeah, obviously um, positive feedback uh, reactions to, particularly over to the UK, where I think there's been a lot of resistance for a long time. They're pretty keen to know how this is going to impact them, and probably some of the smaller nations, uh, smaller six nations, you know, the Italy, Scotland's as well, are possibly looking a bit over their shoulder, but they, they got it through and they voted it through. They did the right thing for for rugby for a change, which is amazing. Did you feel confident this would be the outcome? Oh, probably not. Um, there was a 75% threshold to get this across the line, um, which was made it extremely difficult from the get-go. Um, but, um, yeah, a lot of lobbying over a number of years um, by ourselves and, and a lot of people, you know, um, our, our unions, um, you know, Bill, Bill Beaumont and, and World Rugby, credit to them. Um, um, yeah, we were really um, positive, uh, you know, got it, focusing on the positives as opposed to, you know, maybe the negatives, which have been, every time this has been tabled in the past, it's been, well, how could this possibly hurt rugby as opposed to what are the positives that it could bring? Um, that seemed to, there seemed to be a shift there this time. So, yeah, was uh, you never want to get your hopes up on something like this, but, um, yeah, um, it's, it's through, and that's the main thing. How long have you and other like-minded individual, individuals been campaigning for this change? Well, this is this is one of the key aspects around why we set up the organisation. Was uh, um, myself and a lot of uh, Pacific Island players uh, around the world came together and said, "Well, we feel like there's a lot of uh, injustices in the game. Right? We felt like we provide a lot of players um, to the game, but that's not uh, reflected in our economies back in the islands, back at home." And um, that, that was what was, we, we needed an organisation that had a, a voice, a credible voice that could put pressure on these sorts of um, decisions. And yes, yeah, so that was probably seven years ago that we started up Pacific Rugby Players Welfare, and it's been a, a steady uh, battle and you know a long, a long journey since then. Tell us, Daniel, how much of a difference you foresee this making for Pacific Islands rugby. Um, short term, it'll be massive. Um, for me, the goal has always been to make the Pacific Islands uh, sustainable financially. Um, having superstars come back um, will have an impact on the results, uh, sponsorship, hopefully getting more Tier 1 Nation matches um, and, and more revenue that we can put into grassroots so that, you know, in a few, hopefully, in, you know, in a 10, 10 15 year period, we don't need, need Regulation 8 anymore because we'll have the resources that mean that our players are committing to to our island nations before having to commit away to you know to, to, to tier, other tier one nations, so that's the goal. This is a short term fix for a, for a long term problem, um, but there's still other issues that we need to address. Um, you know, there's still 
um, no no match uh, uh, revenue share model in place. So when, when Tonga plays in England, for instance, and in front of a, a sellout to them, there's no revenue share there. They get they get nothing for that. So that needs to change for us to be able to capitalise on this, and it should change. Um, there's no reason that a team, you know, like Tonga now that could possibly have uh, Malakai Sekitoa, Charles Piatol. Uh, Nani Laobate soon um, in there should be playing for free in front of um, our audiences. So there's yeah, still challenges, um, but this is a great step and we'll celebrate the, the victory, but it's only a battle in a, in a bigger war. That's outrageous. That is outrageous, as you say, that a team can turn up at Twickenham and, and you know, play a, play a, I don't care who's playing, play a game of rugby for free. That, that's outrageous. Yeah. Yep, and then that's where this is going to be so huge, uh, Jason, is that um, you know when the All Blacks play, for instance, they've got strong brand power, and they can they can negotiate um, a, uh, a share of that match of that uh, of that, that gate, of those gate takings. But um, smaller Samoa teams like Samoa Tom, because um, you know we're probably going to lose. Um, it's harder to sell or negotiate. Um, this changes that because you know overnight will become you know teams that could potentially. Um, you know, beat them, if not beat them, um, put up a very good fight, um, make make World, uh, World Cup quarterfinals. So it changes the aspects. It's going to really increase the value in our jerseys, which means that when it comes to sponsorship, um, there'll be revenue there. And again, this is all about um, driving some sort of finances. It's not about players coming back at the end of their career. That's what the, that's what the, the negative spin on is, it? is that, you know, possibly it's taking away from younger players, but this is about the, the unions at home injecting um, the resources that we've lacked for years and years and years to be able to um, invest into grassroots to make sure that, you know, we're not relying on guys coming back at the end of their careers forever. Yeah, and, and you, I mean, that's it's, it's brilliant to hear that that's the end goal, you know, that players, uh, Pacific or otherwise, uh, choose to play for their birth country first rather than a Tier 1 nation, which is also available to them. What are you, what are you thinking timeframe-wise for that, Daniel? Is that like a, a 12 to 15-year plan? Because it's not, as you say, going to happen immediately, is it? No, exactly. exactly. You know, there's a bit of a cycle that needs to happen. I mean, obviously, having, you know, better players will lead to better results, will lead to... Um, you know, hopefully um, more Tier 1 uh, fixtures, uh, which would lead to more sponsorship opportunities, uh, you know, broadcast revenue, which will obviously lead to, you know, more investment in the islands, which will lead to better players. And it's this onward cycle, we believe, it'll probably take about three cycles. That whole cycle will probably take five years. So you're right, probably probably 10 to 15 years, really, before we really see the, 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 the real, the, you know, the, the bigger impacts of this rule. But, um, hey, we'll be fighting for seven, so double that and we're almost there. <laughs> exactly. Do you foresee, though, in the in the time between now and when that does happen, that a player might chart a career path where they play for a Tier 1 side at a World Cup, for example, and then after that World Cup, switch allegiance to play for their birth country in the next one? Can you see that happening on a regular basis? Um, I think the three-year stand-down period that's in place is pretty much rules that out. It's a, it's a long time to be, you know, to, to be out of uh, test rugby contention mm. for. Mm. But if, if they're good enough, you know, that it'll, it'll happen. Um, and that's the key key thing here. You know, it's, as I said earlier, we don't you don't want to be, you know, we've got to be mindful of what this message sends out to to younger players who've grown up in the system, not have committed to Samoa early and then all of a sudden uh, Julian Savia is coming in and, and taking their spot um, 
you know that's what you know um and that that's the that's the the, the, the implications that we had to weigh up on whether we push this you know really push this hard or not but the, the wider scale is that we're hoping that we don't have to do this for too long it's a short-term fix to longer-term problems which is you know the Pacific Islands without that cash injection that I mentioned earlier um some of the don't survive, I don't see, into the next um, two decades because the gap between the haves and the haves-nots in rugby before this decision were just getting too fast um, between to the fact where we saw, you know, Tonga lose to the All Blacks by 100 points earlier this year and nobody wants to see that. How should New Zealand rugby fans feel about this change? Does it affect New Zealand rugby much? Um, I think they should be really proud. Um, New Zealand rugby... Um, Got behind the uh, behind the, the, the votes and, and voted helped vote it through, so I think that shows that uh, you know um, it's reflective of the New Zealand rugby community. That's what they what they wanted to do. Um, so it's, it's very much um, the New Zealand rugby public's achievement as, as it is uh, ours as Pasifika. Um, I don't think it'll affect New Zealand, uh, the All Blacks. Uh, too much, you know. That uh, there's a there's a great um, you know uh, pipeline of players always available to New Zealand, and it's a very well established uh, system. Uh, we're talking about players who you know, like Charles Piatel coming back, Stephen Lutu, who have been out of the system for a long, long time. Um, I wouldn't say that those players would be would, would be missed or provo- you know, but possibly you know provide a threat. But again, it's about creating competition and you know closer games. I don't think, as I said. Anyone wants to go and, and, and watch a team uh, a match where where Samoa lose by sixty to the All Blacks or Tonga lose by hundred points? I don't think that's you know um, that's conducive to you know to the spirit of the game. I think people want uh, close fixtures. And if you look at what the Rugby League Tonga Rugby League team did and how that ignited uh, um, not just the Tongan uh, public in New Zealand but the, the whole Rugby League uh, international community, um, I like to think that there's you know some positive, real positive uh, moments ahead for. So the whole game, not just for the Pacific Islands. Yeah, bang on. And, and just before you go, you've mentioned a couple of players already. Uh, I mean, have you started to envisage in your mind's eye specific players pulling on the jersey of Samoa or, or Tonga or or Fiji and, and running out there proudly? Yeah, yeah, yep. Lots of lots of players have been messaging me privately. I don't know if all of them have come out publicly saying that uh, they're going to they're going to be um, switching allegiances. But uh, yeah, I've got a pretty good. Uh, idea who, who, who the boys are that'll you know commit straight away, and it's it's, it's really exciting. I think it's uh, it'll uh, transform. Seems like Samoa and Tonga and Fiji overnight if the coaches and if they if they selected. You know, that's one one part of the equation is uh, getting you know getting them available, but it's up to the discretion of the unions to, to pick those players, um, depending on how they think that would affect their pathways and. As I said, you know, it's it's not as easy as just having them available. You've got to weigh that up and see how that how picking them is going to affect you know the the younger guys coming through that you've been developing for the last five or ten years. So, um, but having that availability and adding to the depth and the stocks for crucial positions, you know, Liam Sopwanga coming back to you know possibly play for Samoa is going to be huge in a in a position where we traditionally struggle to. Uh, Provide world class tens, so yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be huge and uh, great to see those guys uh, um, coming back across uh, when they as they announce that over the next few months, hopefully. Congrats, mate! I mean, I can hear the excitement in your voice. Hope you can get some sleep over the weekend, mate. You can relax now. You can chill out. Oh, uh, mate! Yep. Hopefully, uh, well, I'm going to be up all night tonight watching the Samoa versus the Barbers. <laughs> Love it. Yep. Probably not not none, none tonight, but maybe the one after. <laughs> great to chat, mate. Thanks for joining us, Daniel. Appreciate it very much. 
Cheers, mate. All the best. Daniel, Leo there.